Welcome everyone to the Change Starts Here podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom. And on this week's episode, we welcome a longtime friend of mine, Bill McIntyre, who oversees Franklin Covey's Education uh, International team. And uh, we dive into his background, um, serving overseas and living overseas, but we dive in most importantly to his mission of uh, serving every country, every school, every student and trying to reach everyone um, with the seven habits and the leader me content. We dive into the challenges that they face from country to country with the politics, culture and systems that uh, are inherent uh, in any local culture. And it's pretty fascinating to learn from his experiences there. Recently, Bill and Sean Covey both went to Romania where they met with students there and they met with uh, refugees from Ukraine. So that was an interesting thing to dive into. Uh, we dive into kind of his experiences in other countries from China to Brazil uh, and other parts of the world and his kind of passion for Africa. Um, Bill is uh, a passionate person. He is, uh, as I say in the interview, he's someone who uh, says what he means and means what he says. And it's someone I greatly admire and greatly appreciate. And so it's an honor to have him on the podcast. It's a great conversation. And every time I'm around him or his team, he's got an awesome team of people. Um, they're just so thoughtful and um, engaging, and they care so much about the mission of improving people's lives all across the world. And so it's a great conversation. If you're interested in international affairs or interested in education across the globe, um, Bill's a really interesting person to learn from. So as always, thank you so much for making time to listen to this podcast. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Uh, your support means the world to us and me specifically. So um, thank you and enjoy this conversation. Bill's an amazing person. So Bill, uh, I think we've known each other 10 years now. And I would say that I am incredibly excited to have you on the podcast because if nothing else, uh, you are one of the most passionate, um, thoughtful, inspiring people I get a chance to work with and know. And so I thank you for joining wow. us today. Wow. Well, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's been 10 years, but it probably has. Yeah. And I appreciate those kind words, but I'm, some people might not call it passion, but um, it is, I'm passionate about what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, uh, you know, the same question we ask every guest to start with is who are you and what do you love about what you do? Who am I? Wow. That's a, that's a tough question. Um, because you look at our roles, you know, what we teach at Franklin Covey, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a grandfather, um, I'm an employee, I'm a friend. So we got a lot of roles in life, but um, I think uh, I'm passionate about this work um, because it, it really aligns with my personal mission. You know, I think uh, I worked uh, in many jobs, I guess not that many, but uh, three or four jobs in my, in my career and um, this is one that it was just like everything came together. And this is really what I want to do. It's like, um, you know, it was almost meant to be. That sounds kind of cliche. But uh, yeah, I just love uh, being able to do something that I actually get paid for, which I'm glad I get paid for it. Sometimes I like to say I feel guilty, but I guess I don't because I, I need, to, need to get paid. But you're doing something for other people. You're doing something that's making a difference. And and. Uh, it just makes your life so much, so much easier and happier. Well, you talk about, um, you know, I, I, 
you and I both uh, are similar in nature that we don't mix words. You know, we, we say what we mean and mean what we say. And so when you say, I mean, people who are listening probably don't know you as well as I do. So when you say, you know, this is, you know, kind of a dream role for you, I look at your career and think, first, it seems like you've always had some sort of affinity to uh, international work. Is that true? And if so, where did that come from and how long has that been there for you? Yeah, you're, you're right. And um, it's funny, in, in high school, I, t- I studied Spanish and I didn't do well. I lived in California. You would think that everybody spoke Spanish and it was all around me and it was. I, I didn't speak a foreign language. Um, as a young man, I, I went on a mission for, for my church and they wanted me to go to Japan. And I was like, you're kidding. And they wanted me to learn Japanese. So um, at a young age of 19, I studied Japanese and spent um, almost two years in Japan. And it really transformed my life. I mean, it it gave me a new perspective on the world. Um, I had a passion for learning languages and new cultures. Um, I came back and studied Japanese and Asian studies in college. Um, I later uh, did an advanced degree in in business, but um, um, I was really passionate about these different cultures and, and languages. Um, and, and I actually married a, a woman from Japan. My wife is Japanese. And um, we lived about half our married life. We've been married uh, 35 years now. And uh, half of it, we lived in, in Japan and half of it, we lived in the US. But my first job after graduating from, from college was I was hired by a, uh, an international trade publisher to go to their Japan operations. And, and I started in sales. And, wow. um, and so that, that language capability and, and understanding the Japanese culture in particular at that time led to my first job. And um, I spent about seven years in Japan and I worked with all of Asia while I was out there. And so my first experience was really in the Asia Pacific region. When, when you think about that transformative experience, I mean, uh, and I'm not thinking from like a, a mission context, but just the power of, you know, being 19 and getting that type of rich experience abroad. Is that something that you wish more kids would have access to because it would shape their future in a unique way? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was transformation. It was life-changing and, and it wasn't, you know, because I was, it, it was a mission for, for a church, but it was, it was just transformational on me just to see the world and see, see things in a different perspective. You know, we talk about, um, you know, everywhere you go in the world, and we have we have issues in the U.S. with discrimination against people. It, it's not until you're a minority in another country that you can understand how people in in your country might feel if they're a minority. And you know, Japanese love Americans, but it's interesting. Um, I mean, I was I was turned down rental places because I was not Japanese, and I, I don't have any animosity towards the Japanese, but it's just it's just a different perspective, you know. Mm. Um, it, you know it. it you, you just learn a lot and you learn to see things in a new way. And it just, it made me want to, to learn more. It really was a kind of an educational awakening for me. It, it helped me just want to, to learn more and new things and, and uh, about the world. So I see where your passion comes for the international community now. So what, where did your passion come for working with schools and young people? Well, um, maybe... You know, I, I started with Franklin Covey back in 2001. So I've been with the company over 20 years. And um, when I talk about this being my dream job, as I mentioned earlier, it was, uh, 
it was after I'd had that experience in Japan. I'd also worked for companies in the U.S. I had run small businesses um, in, in sales and marketing um, and publishing organizations. Um, and I was asked, well, actually, I was working with Franklin Covey on a couple of projects. In fact, it was way back before Franklin and Covey merged in the, the late 1990s. And um, we were working on some intercultural um, projects about training. And I, I actually did a program in Brazil and in Singapore. It was a program we were piloting for Franklin Covey. And I wasn't a Franklin Covey employee, but it was, it was how I kind of got my foot in the door with Franklin Covey. And in 2001, after having that experience, um, Franklin Covey asked me if I would, they offered me a position to go to Japan and run their Japan operation. Um, and so I did that in, in 2001. Um, and while there, I was in Japan with Franklin Covey 2001 to 2008, running Franklin Covey Japan and, and Asia Pacific there. And while there, it was before the leader in me started, right? And um, I found a company that wanted to take the seven habits to a bunch of kids in Japan students. And um, it was back when we just had the teens content. We had this big, thick binder of, of teens lessons. It was like a year long teens course. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Damn. Quite old now. But we took that and we took all those lessons out and we translated them into Japanese and we made these little workbook for kids, which is very reminiscent of what we have right now with our student guides, which we use in Leader Me schools. And this company went out and we had, I mean, literally, 10,000 kids in Japan studying the seven habits um, in, in these uh, learning centers. It wasn't in the schools proper, but it was in these after-school study centers in Japan. And for me, you know, I was working in the corporate enterprise business, running the whole Franklin Covey operation in Japan. And, you know, we were a pretty big office. In fact, Japan was, I think, the largest um, Franklin Covey operation outside the U.S. <clears throat> but for me, the thing that excited me most was this project we did with these students and these kids. And so I kind of developed this passion for education back then before we had the leader in me. And um, it's interesting, that business is still going in Japan today um, in, in our office. It's, it's uh, gone over a lot of changes, but, um, but it still exists today. So in 2011, when I came back to the U.S., um, I met Sean again and talked to Sean. And Sean was saying, hey, we really need somebody to do something internationally for us. And I'm like, wow. And it's education? <laughs> I mean, this is this is this is it, right? So that's when we we started back um, here in the U.S. Uh, leading this team. Yeah. So when you started, and I think about uh, just your passion for this work, did you clarify a mission then that is still the same now, or has that mission kind of evolved over time? Because we were just in a meeting together a couple of weeks ago, and uh, when you talk about the mission of what you guys are doing internationally with this work it kind of raises your arms here a little bit and gives you goosebumps just to be, um, feel the excitement and, and passion for that. I think you're referring to when we met a couple of weeks ago and, and yeah, Sean asked me and I said, I think, uh, I think our vision is every, every country, every school. Yep. And, um, and then, you know, to take it even a step further, it's, it's, you know, it's every school, every student. And, um, and I think that is our vision. Um, I think that the leadership principles that we have, that we teach through the seven habits and, and the process of the leader and me are something that's valuable to every student. And, and we, we work with countries where, I hate to say it, but it almost feels like this is even more necessary than, than, than what we're doing here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so 
I, I think the vision in the beginning was was one that was set up by by Stephen R. Covey himself. You know, Stephen, um, you know, he wanted to release human potential and he and he wanted to do it in everybody. And um, you know, Sean's always had the same vision that I've had is, is how do we get this to every child? Um, and so I, I think that's always been the the vision and the mission. Um, executing on it, realizing that has been a challenge. It continues to be a challenge. We've made we've made great progress. But I think if you were just condense it down into a little phrase, it's you know every country, every school, and then the question is how are we going to make that happen? I think part of why um, when you say something like that, and you know your your team of uh, international leaders, when y'all say something like that. Uh, why it resonates is because you guys, you know, you don't say much when you talk. It's really all about your actions. And so it gets me excited. One of the things that I think about from the skeptic side, and I know you and I uh, can get skeptical pretty quickly if we're in a room together. Uh, so the skeptic side of me wonders, one of the challenges I have to assume is being an American-based company, uh, how does that translate or how is it received when we go into countries that have uh, just different cultures. Um, how how are you able to navigate that through this work? That's a great question. I mean, I mean, there's two there's two big factors I think in in what you're referring to. One is culture, right? Because there's all kinds of different cultures. I guess maybe there's three because I would add every country has a unique educational system. I mean, there's some similarities to how we do things in the U.S., but you know, every country we go to, it seems like the Ministry of Education they control things or do things different. And, and whatnot. So that's that's a huge complexity right there. The other the other factor we have to deal with is politics. And I don't want to talk about politics, but I can tell you um, there's countries in you know China, for example, specifically, where we we will we have huge barriers because of the politics. And so yeah, there there are challenges. Um, we can't control the politics, right? So we try to practice what we preach and we focus on the things we, we can influence and can control. And um, the, the beauty, I guess the, the good thing is that these principles that we teach are universal, right? It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, what color you are, what country you're in. It just doesn't matter. These principles apply and they work. And that's the beauty of the seven habits. And that's what we found. And, and you know, we're, we're also building on the great work that's been done the last 30 years or more of just the seven habits in our corporate world around the world. Because people around the world are familiar with, with Stephen. They are familiar with the seven habits. Um, they know Sean, they know the teens books. Um, and so um, it, that has really opened a lot of doors for us. It doesn't make it easy, but it opens doors. So, so what you've noticed is, you know, and, and first off, what, what I find interesting is that in countries all across the world, there are corporations, you know, I guess we started with corporations within our business unit that see, regardless of our cultural differences, the seven habits as something that transcends any cultural difference, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so because yeah. of that, they also believe it's, it's beneficial for their young people in their country is what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. They make that connection and it helps us one. I mean, there are some countries uh, around the world, Taiwan, for example, Japan, Romania, where I was just at uh, last uh, two days ago, um, where most of our schools in those countries are funded by corporate donations. So that makes a huge difference because they know and they believe in what we're doing and they can see it's going to benefit their whole society and their country by investing in the children 
and, and in these programs that, that, that we offer. So that's been a huge benefit. And even in countries where, where we do have political challenges, like China, where the government has you know, put out some pretty strict regulations on what can and can't be taught in schools and how to do it, um, the seven habits is still loved in China. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's well known and loved, but that doesn't mean they, they want it in their education system. <laughs> totally. Uh, which I which I completely understand. So when you say it's loved, what is there anything that you notice is unique about what they love about the seven habits, or does it feel to be, you know, kind of just the same everywhere? I don't know. The thing that just came to mind when you when you just said that was release human potential, right? Which is which is what Dr. Covey, you know, was all about. Yep. And I think people feel that. I think when they read the Seven Habits book, when they ex when they experience the Seven Habits workshop. They feel empowered. They feel a power that that I'm in charge, right? Which is what we say in the leader me and habit one. I'm in charge, and they they get a vision of where they want to go and how to get there, and and they understand relate. And so I think it just empowers people um, to be who they are, right? And, uh, and 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 they like that. So the seven habits is so empowering that people like it and want it. So you you talked a second ago as kind of a throwaway comment of. You just went to Romania, and again, when we were together a few weeks ago, um, uh, you know, not to, you're, you're a passionate person, but I don't often see you tear up. But as we talked about what was happening in Ukraine, I felt your genuine, like, deep-seated emotion of, I think you said to me and us that you just can't sit idle and do nothing. And so um, you went to Romania. Tell us about what you did there, what you learned, and what your experience is like. Yeah, um... It was it was a, a great experience, and um, the reason I went to Romania is basically we have we now have 104 Leader in Me schools in Romania. Wow. Uh, many people don't know that, um, and they're great schools. One of our schools in Romania decided a group of students in that school decided that they wanted to make a difference for all these refugees. Now Poland is taking in a ton of refugees from the Ukraine. Second to Poland is, is Romania, and it's right on the Ukrainian border. In fact, um, Sean went with me, um, and uh, last minute he decided he wanted to go, and I'm excited he went, and, and it's wonderful. We actually traveled to the Ukrainian border. We got pictures of us standing on the border and where the refugees come in. Um, just a sideline, I have to say this. Uh, the, the Romanian people and the Polish people in particular, all those bordering countries, they're, they, they're just doing a wonderful thing in welcoming these refugees. They're opening up their homes. They're giving them food, shelter. You know, the, the border guards at the bridge that crosses the river between the Ukraine and Romania, they went out on that bridge where mothers and children cross and they put balloons all along the bridge and they put stuffed animals and toys along the bridge so that when these refugee children come across with their mothers because their fathers are staying to fight, the children would feel a sense of, of, of comfort in coming into Romania. I mean, it was just touching, touching to see this. This group of students in our Leader in Me school, it was our first Leader in Me school in Romania, and they're great leaders in this school. They said, we wanna help these refugees, we wanna do something. So they decided we're gonna have a global humanity day and we're gonna raise money for refugees. And they posted and they said, we're gonna do it. And we, we've advertised this on our website for Leader in Me as well. And, um, and I just said, I've got to go help these students. I got to be with these students on that day. And that's why I went. Um, the amazing thing was we participated in, in their day of humanity. We met with students. And this school in Romania, it's called Transylvania College. It's a great name. 
you get a lot of vampire jokes, Transylvania College. First time I went to Romania, I did visit the Braun Castle where Dracula is supposed to be. But anyway, um, our team there are all vampires, and um, but they're good vampires. Anyway, um, these are just wonderful people. And Transylvania is a region in Romania, so, so you know. But it's called Transylvania College. It's a K-12 school. <clears throat> they have welcomed into their school 76 refugees. I mean, literally a student. And they've hired a, a displaced refugee teacher from the Ukraine to come into their school and work with their own refugees in the school. So when we were there um, the last afternoon, we spent you know two, two and a half hours just talking to these refugee students. Most of them were middle school and high school students that we spent time with. They all spoke great English. It was amazing. Wow. They were bright, excited. We sang songs with them. We had cultural exchange. We did a little talent show. We talked about what's happening. It was just, it was just the best time. The amazing thing, there was two students in that group who were from a leader in me school in the Ukraine. Totally by chance. And we, we, you know, we introduced Sean and, you know, and these two students stood up and said, said, you mean this is the leader in me? This is seven habits? We have that in our school. Wow. You know, for me, this just sent the message that we really are a global community. Yep. And, you know, we talk about, you know, my vision for international and every country, every school. You know, I want the leader to me, leader in me and all these global schools to be a force for good in the world. And we teach these leadership principles. And the next step is after we teach them, we help these students do something. You know, show their leadership by making a positive difference in the world. I hope the leader at me is a movement, right? And and schools around the world are saying, I want to be a leader at me school because I want to participate in this global community and make a difference. You know, that that's my vision really for what I want to see happen. As you're talking, I mean, you and I have worked really closely on leader at me schools, me in the US, you abroad uh, for the last decade. But I just realized there's a lot of people who may be listening who don't know what leader me is. And while I can describe it and have before. I'd like for you to describe from your angle and your lens, what is Leader in Me to folks who've never heard of it before? Well, Leader in Me is a, is a school transformation process. That's kind of the, one of the, the taglines we use, but really it's a, it's a process where we go into a school and we help teachers, we empower teachers to help educate the students on, on what real leadership is all about. And it's not you know being the leadership in a position, but it's it's helping them lead their own lives and, and lead others. And, um, and so, you know, core to this whole process is, is the seven habits, which, uh, which uh, is, is, of course, central to, to our company and what we teach. And um, so we go into the school and we educate all the teachers on the seven habits. Then they help teach those same habits to the students. Um, we teach all kinds of leadership principles and we give them opportunities to actually practice that leadership in the school. That's awesome. So you said there's 104 of those leader me schools in Romania. What yeah. led to just a massive increase of schools? Well, we've been working with Romania since 2015. Our first school started in 2015. And much like in the U.S., we started with one school. And um, they've become really a lighthouse for everyone else. Mm. And uh, our partner there is a school owner, but she's very passionate about how do we change and, and mold in a positive way education in Romania. You know, Romania in, uh, in 1989 um, transitioned from communism to capitalism and, and democracy. And, you know, they, that transition for any country takes years. 
right? I mean, it's not overnight, right? And, um, and so there's a lot of problems in the country and, and, um, and, you know, our partner there sees education as a way to help solve a lot of these, these issues going forward. So she has gone out and her team have gone out and they have um, started an NGO, a nonprofit company, and they are actually raising funds to fund leader me schools around the country. And um, they're lining up. I, I mean, we were just there. We have 104 in the process. We have 250 waiting to join that need funding. Wow. 250. So um, I mean, we believe that, uh, you know, we can get to, I think there was 6,000, five, 6,000 schools <laughs> in the country. And, and we want to have at least a thousand. Right. Right. Um, so um, I think we can get there. We can get there. And then we'll really make an impact um, on the people and the society. That's crazy. So they see us in Romania as a uh, key to helping develop future leaders who aren't shackled by an old school way of thinking. And in this case, yeah. communism, right? Yeah. That's powerful. Is there any other case you think about our relationships across the world where, um, uh, you know, either the country itself or regions in the country see us or see this work as a way to unlock the power of their people? Well, I think, I think, you know, staying in the same region, I don't want to harp on it, but Ukraine, um, it's, it's, you know, while the troops were amassing on the border, um, Sean and I and Marcel, our partner, uh, my, my colleague on my team in, in the Netherlands who helps oversee Europe for our team, we were on a call with our Ukrainian partners and we had the Ukrainian government on Zoom call with us. And we signed a, a memorandum of understanding with the government of Ukraine about how they're going to endorse the leader and me for their schools because they knew how important it was to, to, to teach this, these kind of leadership principles and the seven habits in their schools to raise up, you know, this, these young leaders. And, um, you know, unfortunately, 30 days later, the, the war started. Um, and we had just launched um, during the pandemic, the last two years, you know, we had just launched our business in Ukraine and we had 3000 students in schools and in these learning centers in Ukraine. And um, unfortunately, it's been, it's been delayed, postponed, I think I'd, I'd say, but um, we're, we're, we're hopeful that you know, things will settle down there and we'll be able to be back. But I think that's another example of, you know, where, where I, I think the vision is bigger. It's not just, hey, let's, this is good for our school. Let's put this in our school. It's no, these principles are universal, powerful principles that can change people, families, societies, and countries. And uh, there are people that, that believe that and are, are doing it. That's awesome. I think when our paths first crossed uh, a decade ago, and probably a little bit after we just met, um, I think your work in Brazil was probably the hottest topic at that time. I'm sure that yeah. a lot over the time. Can you tell us a little bit about what our what partnership has looked like in Brazil? Yeah, I was just on a call with our Brazilian team uh, this morning. Um, you know, we have about a thousand schools in Brazil. Wow. And um, that Brazil, when I started uh, this whole division or this whole uh, team within our education division in 2011, um, Brazil was the first partner that we signed up. Right. And, um, you know, the, co the company back then was called Abril, and now it's called Somos Education, um, but because they've, they've transitioned and had a couple owners, but it's the same vision and same power, but they're the largest curriculum publisher in Brazil. 
And in Brazil, many of the schools, they use learning systems where a school will subscribe, isn't necessarily from the government, they'll buy curriculum from these education companies and integrate it throughout their school. And they were really strong on academics. And when I went to Brazil, we met with them. I, I talked to them about, hey, the leader in me and what we do is really about whole child education. You know, you guys are already strong in academics, but what about leadership and culture? And, and this is the piece you need to bring in to round out everything. And, um, and they love the idea and, and we put it together and now they're our largest partner and continue to be our largest partner around the world. Yeah. Uh, we talked also briefly about possibly a vision for Africa or a passion or desire for Africa. Uh, do we have any relationships in Africa right now? I know that's a big statement. <sighs> Well, we have, uh, yeah, we have a few Leader in Me schools there. Most of our efforts in Africa to date have been through our enterprise or our corporate partners there with Franklin Covey, um, who have said, hey, we want to influence education. I think we're moving in a new direction. And my vision is, you know, we need to find some real strong education players there. I mean, Africa is, we think about Africa, Africa is, is you know, tons of countries, right? And it's a continent, right? With a lot of countries, there's multiple languages, multiple cultures. Um, it's quite complex. Um, they do deal with a lot of poverty still. There's still a lot of corruption, right? And in, in many of the governments there, unfortunately, um, just to be, be frank, um, but they also see the value of this. And, and we have people that are passionate about this. I think our direction in Africa now is can we find some ed tech partners that could, that could reach a broader audience in Africa quicker? And I think we need to look at, at you know, what's the possibility of going directly to parents and their children and families, um, kind of a, a B2C kind of play, not only going, you know, us yeah. directly to schools. I think both are important, but we are in talks with a couple companies, a couple um, companies in Africa that are in the ed tech space that I think um, we're gonna see some really, great ideas and great, uh, great things happen in the, in the coming future. So when you think about, you know, your goal of every country, every school, every student, what are the biggest opportunities and what are the biggest challenges that you're trying to tackle right now with your team? Well, I think, um, I think Africa is a big challenge. Like I said, we've barely scratched the surface and it's huge. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, we need to practice what we preach. You know, we need to have new paradigms. We need to see things in a new way and then we'll start doing things in a new way to get the results that we want or new and different results. So I think we need a new paradigm and, and we're, we're trying to focus on that. So Africa is definitely one. Um, uh, we have uh, another region of the world, which is the, the Middle East. Um, we've actually recently just localized all of our content on our platform into Arabic. And we have a couple partners and we're talking to a, an additional partner in um in bahrain and uh we're, we're we really think there's a great potential for growth there um you know we have a great opportunity in mexico right now with a whole group of schools we've barely scratched the surface in just so many countries um spain we've got a great partner in spain and just getting getting started and uh, we've made some inroads there I, I think romania has huge opportunity for growth right um the uk um, you know, we could go go throughout. I think the pandemic has really slowed us up a little bit, but it was a bump in the road. Uh, back in 2020, the first half of the year, uh, our year, we were having one of our best years ever. And we were just like, wow, we finally got this thing rolling and we got new schools coming on. And, and then the pandemic hit and, 
it's just it's just slowed things down and we're starting to see that momentum come back we're starting to see it come back and we're really excited well you have a phenomenal team and like i said i i get energy every time i'm around you before we transition to our last few questions um you've had some really neat opportunities to visit some really cool schools across the world and i'm just curious if there are any of those stories that you think of often to re-inspire you for this work like when you visit a school and talk to a student or when you visit a school and just felt the community passion around this work and the life-changing impact of the work that you know you just have that's just deep in your heart that anytime anybody asks you why you do it you're like oh well this story let me tell you about this experience or this experience I'm just curious about one of those two of those experiences you've had that you use as that um fire to keep you going well there's probably um there's a lot, a lot of them. I think fresh on my mind is where I was just at in Eastern Europe with, uh, with this uh, experience with the war going on and, and what we're doing. Um, one of the requests, I'll just, I'll just add this in as part of an answer to this. I think one of the requests we get um, from schools around the world is their desire to connect globally. And, um, and so I, I think one of the initiatives we really wanna look at on my team is how do we set up a global connected, global connect connect network if i can get that out um and and encompass the all our schools here in the u.s and outside the u.s and, and have some formal system whereby whereby they can connect to share have interaction with students and teachers and exchanges and, and events together um i think that that's that's huge um i have been to schools i've been to schools in india um that that you know these children are just so beautiful but their environment around them is 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 very challenging um i'm just inspired when i when i see these these especially the elementary school school students get up and and when they're not it's not even memorized but they're talking about how you know the things they're learning in the leader me process and in the seven habits is has helped them um i, I remember a teacher in in china um, we went to her school and she showed us her school and it was dilapidated. It was run down. It had just, it just was terrible. And, uh, and she begged us, I want to do the leader in me because I want to transform my school. Um, there's just such a need out there. And, and it's just everywhere I go, um, you see it. It's every, every school I visit, you feel it and you feel it's when you go to the schools that are in, in remote places where maybe they don't have the opportunities that other parts of the world have and you see how these principles are making a difference with them so when i say every every country every school it's a big task and you know um what we do you know there there's fees for what we do and uh and and we have to pay our people and pay us um but this is a mission and uh, one of the challenges that we have is how do we fund this so it can get to, to everybody yep and uh and make a difference yep. yeah well like i said earlier um and you and i don't mix words especially when we're together and so i hope you know my compliments of you in terms of uh about you are someone who walks first and then speaks um even though when you speak you speak loud and uh can fire people up. sometimes too loud but that's, that's right okay. I, I i sign up for that every day of the week and so um, I'm inspired, you know, I know that you feel like you've only scratched the surface and a lot of your impact, but I think the impact you're having, I mean, by clear, it's clear through 
your trip to Romania and the growth that's happening there, um, that you're making a massive difference in the world. And I thank you for that. Um, so the last few questions that we have, that we ask everybody this season is, first one, what are, um, what is a habit or what are the habits and disciplines that really, that you use on a daily or weekly basis that you think you make you the best version of yourself? Well, um, that's a great question. And um, you want the good habits, right? Not the bad ones. <laughs> I'll take them all actually. <laughs> I'll only share the good ones, right? Um, you know what? I do love to exercise. And um, um, I try to make it a habit and I am making it a habit to, you know, I, I get in the uh, exercise room. Um, I usually do it at least every other day. Um, I'm, getting, I'm getting older and um, I like to run. So I run or I, or I do the treadmill, but, you know, knees are getting older. So I, I try not to do it every day. It's a little hard. But um, so I think, I think taking care of your, your body, the physical exercise is really something um, that is a habit and, uh, and I'm pretty committed to, to doing. I, um, I figured you're going to say Zumba, but I'm glad to know you're a runner. I thought you'd be Zumba, but that's okay. No, what do you mean a Zumba? No, I'm not into Zumba. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do like, I mean, I used to play basketball all the time and, uh, you know, it's just, I, I just had my birthday, by the way. So I'm 59. So I, uh, I need to take care of my knees and, and back. <laughs> um, my wife plays pickleball like every day, but I have meetings in the morning when she goes and plays. So. I, I, she wants me to play, but I'll have to figure that out. You guys know pickleball, right? Yeah, of course. It's it's hot here in the Midwest as well. Really big in, in our community here. So I think exercise is one. I think exercising, you know, what we teach in the seven habits is body, heart, mind, and spirit. And I, I think that uh, reading, I, I love to read and uh, kind of histories and uh, and about different cultures and, and countries. Um, and uh, particularly like um, Mitch Album. Yeah. I don't know if you know his books. Um, Stranger in the Lifeboat is one that I just read the most recently. It just came out, gave copies to all my kids at Christmas. Um, just an, an amazing book, yeah. I mean, you beat me to my second question. So clearly you've uh, listened to the podcast before, which uh, is great, but uh, you know, it, it is like, what are the books that have made the biggest impact on you either recently that you've read or throughout time that have made a big impact on you? Yeah, well, like I said, I love reading books about different cultures. And um, right, right, you can't see it, but it's just on the other side of the computer right there on yep. the bookshelf on the wall. I've got, I've got like a couple rolls of rows of books just on international culture and, and also on leadership and just on inspiration. Um, I love to read. And, and, and it's just like Stephen's work, you know, it, it's, you, you can go back and read this stuff and, and it, it's, it's still applicable today. I've got books. In fact, I like to collect some older books. I got books from the forties, fifties and sixties and, and um, you know, talking about leadership and it's amazing. They're saying the same thing we're saying. Um, they might've did it in a little different way because of the times, but it's really the same stuff. So um, yeah, I've got a whole library of stuff. Like well, that. When you talk about um, trying to get my, my head around yours is that if do you just pick up any book and learn about international culture? Or do you think, hey, I'm getting ready to go to Romania or like right now with all the stuff in Ukraine, I find myself consuming a lot of books, periodicals, anything on Ukraine history, Russian relations, Russian history and leadership. So like I'm, I've gone down a lot of those rabbit trails. How, how do you start down your rabbit trail? How do you choose which country? Well, I've, 
Like yeah, that's a good question. I mean, nowadays, to be honest, a lot of my reading, if I'm going somewhere, is really done with the internet. I can, I can source things, I can find things, and I can read yep. articles and do it. So, I mean, everything's at our fingertips. In my library um, of books, you know, which is not huge, but, um, you know, I've got some old standards on culture and books, and there's some that deal with, you know, different countries. Um, I was big, you know, because of my education and, and a lot of my experience was in Asia. I did a lot of Asian Asian studies. I mean, I, I majored in that as well. So I've got a lot of old stuff on that. Um, I've really enjoyed this position because I've really learned a lot more about Europe, European history, and and my wife loves to travel when I go to Europe <laughs> with me. Nice. Um, and uh, and Europe is is it's an exciting and and interesting place. Yeah. So um, yeah, most of the stuff now is is done short term. It's it's online. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next question is, and I prepped you for this one. Uh, I assume everyone listens to music. If they don't listen to music, they listen to podcasts or something. So we'll just yeah. start with the assumption of music. When you're driving in your car or when you're on, you say you're a runner. So maybe you take your uh, phone with you or some headphones with you on the run. What's on your playlist? Well, I'm a, I'm a child of the uh, late 70s and early 80s. So who does that, who does that, I mean, you know, we're talking classic rock, but yeah. not the hard, you know, real, I mean, but I mean, one of my favorite bands of all times was Sticks. Yep. Um, I just, I, I love that. I mean, you know, you've got Foreigner, you've got Journey, REO Speedwagon, you know, those classics, right? They're still classics today. Yes. Right. They are. They are. So, you know, when I go on a playlist, I'll, I'll, I'll choose, or Chicago, you know, a little more Mel, I love Chicago. Yep. Um, and you say Chicago today, and then you talk about their stuff, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and the kids today don't know what it is, but it's still Chicago. Right? <laughs> yep. So, no, those yeah, are- Yeah, so that's that's what I love, those, yeah. That's awesome. My uh, Journey is something that's, a, obviously, there's plenty of songs in there that are popular, but there's one particular song that everybody knows that my wife and I, it goes back to like one of our first dates. And so we are passionate about just Journey themselves, but uh, Sticks. Uh, I think what is it? Come sail away is one of them that yeah, I yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Renegade was another one. Uh, Renegade. Um, yeah, babe. No, you remember that one? That that was like number one song. Well, yeah. I, I, but, I did my best to get those two out of my my head. I just remember remember you're a little bit older than me. I wasn't quite in the midst of the Sticks Revolution when they were out, but uh, my parents liked good music and so they introduced me to all of this growing up um so anyways last question you're around phenomenal leaders all the time that and you, you read um and so i'm just curious when you think about giving advice to people who are in you know it's a, it's a crazy time to be a leader of any organization but particularly a school what's the best piece of leadership advice you've come across recently that's just been on your mind or on your heart lately I think this this particular advice would be kind of a culmination of what I've felt and learned from all the teachers that I've had, including the ones and the great leaders I work with now in this company and outside. Um, when I was with the students in Romania um, and they were doing this humanity day and I said a few words to them and I, I, you know, what they were doing for others was just amazing. You know, these students said, we want to make a difference. And so they acted, right? And I, I thought about that and, you know, that's true leadership, right? And, and they took the initiative and they did it. And I, I feel like 
you know, greatness in life and leadership really starts with humility um, because you got to get out of yourself. If it's about you, you're not a good leader, right? It's got to be about everybody else and the people. And so humility is where it starts, but that humility will lead to doing things for others, which is charity. So I would say that leadership starts with humility and it ends with charity. And it's what you do in between to get there is what's important. And um, I think that's what a great leader does. You know, if you think of people that are remembered around the world throughout history, I mean, a lot of people remember for a lot of things, but if you think of some of the great ones, they're remembered not for what they did per se, but what they did for others. And then if you think the people that were the evilest, wickedest people, leaders in the world that did atrocities, they were remembered for what they did to people. That wasn't good, right? So, you know, I think that's what the leader in me is all about. And what we do in the company is is helping people get out of themselves and serve others. That's why I'd like to see this be a movement, a movement around the world and a force force for good. And, and, And my dog just came in. All right, perfect, perfect timing as we wrap up, Bill. Um, gonna be a force for good. Yeah, I, I would say um, you definitely are a humble. Um, I I like the fact that you share your opinions, and I think I want to remind people is that being humble doesn't mean you're quiet, right? I think that's completely fair. Humble is not about uh, there's just no ego um, to that leadership, and I think you embody that and. That's why I was excited to have you on. I appreciate you making time and your crazy schedule. I don't know. I'm curious, like when you have your meetings, you say you can't go play pickleball with your wife on certain days. I assume you have days that are probably, you have meetings at 2 a.m. and then meetings at 7 p.m. that day. Is that true? Yeah, well, 2 p.m. is a little extreme or 2 a.m. is a little extreme, but we do, we start meetings sometimes anywhere from 6 a.m., but I'm on calls sometimes 9 or 10 at night as well. Right. So, so I do, I, the other thing I like to do that I didn't mention is I like, I like to go hiking and fishing. So sometimes a two hour break in the afternoon is good to do those things. Yeah, and then you know that you have like a 10 o'clock at, at night call. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, making time for us in between all of that. I uh, hope we didn't get in the way of too much of your exercise or walking or fishing today, but um, this was awesome. And I appreciate great. your work and I appreciate your vision that's inspiring all of us. Thank you. It's great to be with you all. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcast on Apple or Spotify, and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.